It's Monday, January 31st, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, sitting in for Chris Hill today, and joining me in studio is our team of Motley Fool analysts from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross, from Income Investor, James Early, and from Global Gains, Tim Hansen. Guys, welcome. Hey, Matt. Thanks, Good to Matt. have you here, Matt. Okay, guys. We're going to talk some Exxon. We're going to talk some Amazon. We're going to talk some Netflix, but we've got to begin with the situation in Egypt. Today marked the seventh day of anti-government protest in Egypt. Opposition leaders are calling for a million people to take to the streets of Alexandria and Cairo tomorrow. Now, Tim, this is an incredibly fragile situation. We're a business show. We talk a lot about how the markets hate uncertainty. And what we've got here is a whole lot of uncertainty. Yes, this you know brings up a question that I've asked before, which is, you know, if you're an investor, what do you prefer to invest in? Would you rather invest in a democracy or a dictatorship? And Egypt, for all intents and purposes, up till today, still, is, is pretty much a dictatorship. And there, as an investor, there are things to like about dictatorship. You know, there's a reason why China has the, the most premium valuation of any major market in the world. It's because there's certainty. You know what you can expect. You know, ostensibly, what the government might do next, even though they have some arbitrary and capricious powers. But you know, I think the argument here, the Egyptian stock exchange is down sharply since this crisis began. Uh, foreign investors in particular are pulling money. But at the end of the day, democracy is much better for investors and for, for invested capital than dictatorship is. And I think, you know, to the extent that you can see a buying opportunity in all this, you know, there's crisis happens all the time and, and different crises have different problems. But if the crisis is related to, you know, democratic transition, I think long-term investors should start to get pretty pretty interested. Ron? Yeah, I think I would agree with that. What concerns me is obviously the destabilization and, and depending on how democratic the government is, um, obviously the concern uh, for Israel, which is the centerpiece of our Middle East uh, strategy, Egypt really being uh, in conjunction uh, the centerpiece for the U.S.'s Middle East strategy. And if there's destabilization there, then kind of all bets are off. Israel you know, gets most of its or half, let's say, of its natural gas from Egypt. There's a concern for them just from a political standpoint, but obviously, uh, I mean economic, but uh, a political one as well. Well, let's talk more about the Egyptian economy, because what's interesting is Egypt really only has four main sources of income. The Suez Canal is the first. That's the most obvious. But that's not huge. In fact, you've got some other big ones, too. Tourism, obviously, people seeing the pyramids. You've got remittances from Egyptians working abroad, sending money back home. And then finally, you've got aid from the U.S. government. In other words, it doesn't really have much of an economy itself. And I just read that there are only 3.7 computers for every 100 Egyptians, compared to 80.5 computers for every 100 Americans. So this is a country that actually has a lot of relatively educated people, but you know, it's, it's not as interconnected with the global economy as, as many other countries of its size. You know, but I think to, to build on that point, uh, investors in China, for example, should really consider this maybe sort of a canary in the coal mine, because what you have is you have a, a country that was developing pretty rapidly. Their GDP growth over the past five to 10 years has been between four and six percent, which is pretty good. And you have a population, though, that wasn't benefiting from that growth. The wealth was all being concentrated among the, the richest of the rich in Egypt. Uh, and then, as James pointed out, you had a very educated population. And when you combine uneven development with a lot of educated people who don't have good jobs, you're going to end up with unrest. You know, transition this to China, and you have a, a country who has basically all of their monetary policy decisions over the past few years have been to keep people employed. And they right now are blocking coverage of these Egyptian riots there, which is, a you know, the they don't riot. want anybody getting the wrong idea over there, so to speak. Um, and, but this is the exact same lens that they're looking through in their own population, which is why China, for people who are paying so much for a lot of these Chinese stocks today, you know, when China goes... 
Egypt's down 20% in a democratic transition, and China's valued at such a higher level. You know, how much is the Chinese stock market going to drop when they inevitably go through the transition of their own? Okay, guys, it's a rough segue, but from the situation in Egypt to better-than-expected earnings for ExxonMobil. Silly rabbit segues are for kids. <laughs> no segue. Okay, That's so Ex- ExxonMobil, their quarterly earnings up 53% from a year ago. Um, Exxon pointing to rising oil prices and increased production. James, your thoughts? Max, same oil story, different oil company. We've seen this with some of the other uh, majors lately. It was just a good quarter, uh, good production and, and higher oil prices. So that's simple enough. But just for some backstory, oil companies produce both oil and natural gas, which is a natural byproduct of, of producing oil. Oil was good. We knew that already. But what's interesting with, with ExxonMobil is their natural gas was doing really, really well this quarter. Production was up 31% versus just a few percentage points for crude oil. And you could even argue looking forward, these cheap natural gas prices, and they're cheap because we've had this big glut of, of gas, both in the U.S. and, and, and globally, uh, these cheap prices might, might eventually uh, encourage structural shifting towards natural gases as a fuel. You know, there's an, I think there's a buying opportunity coming in the energy sector, and it's related to the fact that the world is freaking out about China and India raising interest rates, which might diminish their demand for the commodities that they're, they're buying, like oil and natural gas and iron ore and those sorts of things. And in short term, it's a real risk, and I, I think we probably could see a blip, you know, later this year that causes these big integrated energy companies to sell off. But, you know, if you're a long-term investor, that's probably the greatest thing you can see this year, just because the demand for these things, and recent results are pointing to this, is going to be redu- robust. Uh, for such a long period of time. I'm going to have to start counting your China answers because if somehow China gets worked into like every response. It's the second biggest economy okay. in the world, cool. James. Cool. I respect <laughs> that. <laughs> now, James, you're giving Tim a hard time there, but you're a big fan of Chevron, and you work Chevron into a bunch of your answers. So, so <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I want not, you, not as much as China, I, but I, I do. Want yeah. you, do they I, perhaps pay a dividend? Yes, yes. So, they do <laughs> pay a dividend. <laughs> it's a tough crowd. So I want you yeah. to make the case for Chevron over Exxon. Chevron, uh, in a nutshell, is less exposed to the refining, and, and the refining is increasingly a lower margin commodity business that, that's being more and more done abroad. So Chevron was smart to back out of that a couple of years ago. They still have some, but but less so than the oil other oil majors. And they're also particularly good, better than ExxonMobil, let's say, in, in deep water drilling. And deep water drilling is really the future of oil. We've used up all of the easy-to-get-to uh, light oil on the surface. We have to go way deep. Um, and and as, I've, as we know from BP, that can lead to problems if it's not done properly. So Chevron's expertise there pays. And finally, the tech website Engadget reported this weekend that Amazon may be looking to mix it up with Netflix. Now, someone sent Engadget screen capture photos of Amazon's website, and um, those photos suggested that Amazon is going to add unlimited streaming video content to its Amazon Prime service. Um, I don't know if y'all get Prime. Prime, you pay 79 bucks a year, um, gives you two-day shipping on all Amazon products. Now, Ron, I'm a Netflix consumer. I love the service. A lot of investors have lost a lot of money shorting this company, That's betting true. against this company. I think Reed Hastings is a smart guy, but but uh, I love Amazon Prime, and so the question is, how afraid should Netflix be? Well, I, I'm both a Netflix user as well as an Amazon user. I don't own either stock. Um, we don't know if this is actually true at, at this point. It's just rumor. But, don't let that get in the way. But I think <laughs> what we can agree on is that competition is coming to Netflix, and it's going to be big competition. Um, I love this $79 model. Um, 
tacking it onto Prime if that's the case. Uh, Amazon can afford to um, have this uh, new division lose money for a while if need be as they build up the inventory. Um, some reports I read seem to indicate that they would only start with 5,000 titles um, versus Netflix 20,000. So they would have to start a bit small, but Amazon is so profitable that they could, you know, uh, stand to bring this along slowly, and uh, the economic model to the consumer would, you know, seems to make nice sense. So I would, I'd be a little nervous. We know, we know, competition's coming, and the stock is priced to perfection. So just some risk there. You know, much as I don't see the point of Amazon Prime, I mean, my wife has it. A lot of people have it, but do I need to pay eighty bucks a year to get my stuff a, a day sooner? It, it is very popular. Well, it's unlimited shipping. So if but, you bought twenty things at seven bucks a pop, it pays for. But itself. you have to find just the things that have the Amazon Prime logo. Like not everything you can buy has the Prime shipping. There, there's but probably, most stuff does. There's probably some Chevron stuff. You can. It's <laughs> <a> good. It's <laughs> a good point. But uh, my, my point is to bring it back, just to play devil's advocate. Have we? Because I. I side with Ron, but have we, haven't we? have we been hearing this Netflix is vulnerable story for like five or six years now? Like, oh, everything's going to come up and dethrone Netflix, but yet it's still here. What we know so far of this report is that Amazon looks like they have around 5,000 titles that would be part of this service. Netflix has fifteen to 20,000 titles. So Amazon's not going to have the selection, but they can't afford to lose money and they've got deep pockets. At exactly. some point, uh, at some point too, the you know the difference between five thousand and twenty thousand. Well, it's fifteen thousand, but at some point it ceases to matter because you know this year I'm probably alone, only going to watch fifty movies. So whoever has those fifty, mo- I don't know, I'm pulling that out one of a the, week, pulling out of the dark. <laughs> Look at the math PhD over here. Yeah, if you've got the fifty most popular titles, you can be competitive even if you don't have the long tail, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring it home. Let's go around the horn as we wrap things up here. One movie recommendation for our listeners. Ron Gross. Okay, the 1978 original Superman movie, because Mac, you'll believe a man can fly. Nice. Oh, he's got a punch. James Early. Um, if you like martial arts movies, and I've just alienated 98% of listeners, but um, and you've exhausted all the Jackie Chan and Jet Li movies, the early ones are very good, by the way. Before those guys became big names, they had to rely just on their skill, and they have very good skill. But Ninja vs. Shaolin Guard is, is a pretty interesting martial arts movie. Not really any, any ninjas, but I don't did not that see this coming. <laughs> it's got all the cheese that you would want for this type of genre, but some, some decent fighting and at least an average plot. Tim? I just saw Exit Through the Gift Shop uh, on Netflix, which is the nominated for Best Documentary this year and is made by Banksy, the sort of famous slash infamous street artist. Um, it's, a, it's a really entertaining documentary about street art and then about how um, this street art cameraman ends up becoming a famous street artist on his own. It's unclear, I think. I was reading the Wikipedia page about this. It's unclear if the movie is a hoax or not, but regardless of that, it was a fabulously entertaining uh, movie and worth checking out. Well, there you have it. How about so, you? What do you got, Mac? Um, being yeah. there. I watched Being There the other night. We had the power outage, and we stayed at Friends, and I watched it from like 1 to 3 in the morning and um, hadn't seen it in 30 years. And it's just it's brilliant. Peter Sellers is so freaking good in Being There. I so. have to say, speaking of the power outage, it's a little freaky to, to look on your phone and, and see come up, you know, police station in Alexandria, where we're based. Police station Alexandria on fire as the power goes out, only to then realize they're referring to Alexandria, Egypt, Egypt. Oh. and not Alexandria, <laughs> Virginia. But, yeah. you know, a little disconcerting just yeah. in that one moment. So to clarify, a million people will not be marching in Alexandria, <laughs> Virginia tomorrow. That's correct. <laughs> yes. Well, there you have it. James Early. The Tim, Whole Foods is fine. <laughs> James Early, Tim Hansen, Ron Gross, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Mac. Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this this edition of Market Foolery. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Tuesday.